The privilege of a lifetime is to become who you truly are. I'm Adrienne McDonald and welcome to the Mindset Strategist Podcast. Hello, beautiful humans, and welcome back. Or welcome, if it's your first time. I saw this great quote on social media I'd like to share. It didn't have an author credit, so I'm not sure who exactly said it. But here it goes. The peace you're seeking is waiting on you to admit how you're part of the cycle so you can choose something different. I thought that was pretty great because it's absolutely true. I have certainly lived that, and that brings us to today's topic, which is closure. Now, let's define closure. Closure describes an individual's desire for a clear, firm answer or peaceful resolution to a question or problem to avert ambiguity. Now, not everybody experiences the need for closure the same, and it also depends on the circumstances. Closure can apply to a lot of different things, though. It can apply to careers or beliefs or moving or all types of relationships. And for whatever reason, we humans keep thinking that we need external participation for closure. And that is absolutely not true. So why does the mind need it so? Well, part of it is how we have evolved. Our our brain's prime directive is to keep us alive and safe. That's why when we are born, disgust and fear are innate. That feeling that you have when you're looking at rotten food and you're like, ugh, that's an evolutionary biological response. It's to keep you from eating the food so you can stay alive. Now, we come in built in with the fear of falling and loud noises, and everything else is pretty much what we are programmed to fear. Now, our memory's job is to sort of categorize things and experiences so that we can reference back about the risk to our well-being. So our brains really like to label things or put them in boxes and little, little file folders in our little brain file cabinets. Or better put, the brain naturally isn't fond of ambiguity because it doesn't, it, that, that doesn't make it feel good. It doesn't know how to react. So recently, I was listening to my Celtic shaman teacher, Rhonda Bakurin, she was talking about this subject. And for as long as I've been studying this and doing this work and, and working on closure myself and helping my clients with closure, I hadn't heard it explained quite this way. And I thought it was so interesting. She was talking about fairy tales and the fact that fairy tales often have things reconciled at the end, that acknowledgments and apologies are made and everything is tied up in like this pretty bow. And there's sort of this, this myth out there from when we're really young, that sort of whole happy ending thing. I had to really laugh at this because when I watch movies or TVs and my, my partner and all the things gives me great grief about this, that I'm not really happy unless there's a happy ending. I want my happy ending. And I got to have it or I don't want to watch it. So if the people aren't reconciled or 
um, if the wrongs and betrayals aren't righted in some way, or if someone dies, forget it. I, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. One of my favorite movies of all time is Moulin Rouge, and I knew that soundtrack by heart before I ever saw the film. And I debated seeing that because Nicole Kidman's character dies at the end of the film. But but it, it was okay because they warned me ahead of time. Like the first line or two in the movie is like the, that she had passed. So, but even knowing that, watching that movie, I still was hoping to somehow get my tight little pretty bow ending, like my happy ending. And I was a little bitter, I got to tell you. So yeah, I think that there is something to Rhonda's assertion that we are sort of programmed to want for everything to be tied up in a very nice little bow. But that's not reality. Life is very messy and chaotic, and there's many layers and waves and complexity that comes with closure. So if the fairy tales don't work, then what does? Well, I think that looking at the stages of grief are a good start. Now, not all experiences require all of the stages of the grief process. However, in my experience, the experiences that are hardest to get closure around always involve some or all of those steps. Now, in 1969, Dr. Elizabeth Kulber-Ross developed the five stages of grief. And what she realized later on was the importance of conveying grief is not a linear process. So she added two more stages. The stages of shock and testing were added so that the complete process consisted of shock, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, testing, and acceptance. Shock described that initial response of emotional paralysis or numbness, and that testing phase, which this this is the part that I think that people get lost in, that testing phase involves trying new ways of coping with the loss and rebuilding life after the loss. And Again, it's not a linear process. Like some days you're better than others during the process of you developing closure. And at the crust of all of this, only you can give yourself closure. Someone cannot hand it to you. It does not work that way. And even if you get the happy ending, like bow tied up, apology, etc., that person is not making you accept that. It's you that are making a decision to do that. And that brings me to my next point, and I'm not being flippant when I say this. You have to want closure. And there are a lot of people out there, myself included, that have said, no, I, I, I want this chapter closed, blah, 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 and then backtrack on it. You have to make a decision that that is what you want. And I've talked about what decision means on this podcast before. This is a commitment and not something to be done lightly. Because when you break your decision, you break trust with yourself. And that is the foundation of all things, personal growth and development, and should be held in sacred regard. Now, I'm sure you've heard time heals. Time heals all wounds, etc. I think there's some truth in that. 
but I think it would be more accurate to say the process heals. Because I've experienced things that I didn't heal from until I had the skills and made the decision to do so. And I've seen that countless times with my clients and my colleagues. And I think we all know a person that there's something that they just can't let go of, and it could be decades old, and it may be something that's tormenting them, and they still are not able to do it. If there's something that you're returning to over and over, and it keeps rolling around in your mind, it's asking you for resolution. It, it, it wants to know what to do with this. And I think when we discuss closure, some people default to thinking around personal relationships. But again, it's not just that. I wrestled with closure when I left corporate. That was a big part of my identity for a long time. Well, who was I if I didn't do this anymore? I know people that wrestle with closure when their kids leave for college, Um, the end of a relationship. Uh, I worked with my mentor for eight years very intensely. His business model changed. I wasn't really his target client anymore. I could pretty much, and I could predict pretty much what he was going to say during Q&As. I had done all the things. And that was really difficult for me, like one of those birds jumping from the nest. Now, he's always going to be my mentor, but I didn't need to continue to work with him directly at the levels that I was working with him at. And I had to figure out what that looked like. Psychologists have said that anything that is very much bothering you after, say, 18 months, that's about the, that's, that's the, the time frame that they really look at. That's an area that you really need to work on for closure. The longer you avoid it, the harder it is for you to resolve. Now, there are many reasons for this. The primary one is where you're running that loop in your brain. And the more you run the loop, the more you're hardwiring yourself into the loop. The programming, if you will, gets harder to change. However, it can be. And there are many ways of doing that. You can work with a therapist, a coach, somatic practitioners, um, ministers. There's a whole host of options. And you have to find what works for you. Now, I agree with the 18 months to a point. I think it depends on your level of awareness and consciousness, what you have in your own toolkit that you can use. Because, for instance, for myself, I catch things significantly quicker now. And I've trained myself not to let things go on too long because I know it'll be harder in the long run to get that closure if I don't. And, I, and sometimes I'll, I'll, I can sit there and watch myself going, you know, you need to work on this. And then, yeah, yeah. And argue with myself a little bit about, well, I'm just not ready to work on it yet. Because also, again, that decision, that commitment, you, you should not take that lightly. I'm going to share a few things that have helped me and my clients over the years. I do a lot of work around closure in my retreats and in my one-on-one practice. First, as I said, I keep harping on this, a decision has to be made. And it helps 
to ponder what you may be getting out of the situation by not creating closure, because that's also going to give you information that could be helpful. And this is particularly helpful in dysfunctional relationships. You got to give yourself grace during this process. Guilt and shame have no place here. They can't live in the light. Shouldn't live in the dark either, but they can't live in the light. This is a purging of those things. You need to, uh, and this is the next one, you need to let go of the need for closure to look a specific way. This is a huge, 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 huge one, particularly for people that have been betrayed or victimized or have a very, very, very strong need to be right. I, I find that if you have a very, very strong need to be right, closure can be particularly difficult for you. In general, in those situations, you want the other person to apologize, atone, pay penance, whatever. And the truth is, in a lot of circumstances, that will never happen. You may want to understand why the person did what they did to hurt you. You may want to understand why the experience happened to you. And again, the truth is, you may never know. And that you can work with that. You don't have to know. And it doesn't have to look as like a certain way for you to obtain peace. And I've talked on a previous podcast about evaluating someone's capacity. They may not have the capacity to tell you they're sorry. If you're involved with someone with high-trait narcissism, it's virtually impossible to figure out the complexities of the motivations and get the apology. Because nine times out of ten, they don't think they've done anything wrong, and it's your fault. And the important thing to realize here is you don't need them to participate. It's not required for you to obtain closure and peace. That's well been documented and established in the psychological circles that writing down something that is bothering you in its entirety and in extreme detail can be very beneficial to developing psychological closure. And there's also some evidence to continue that process. You could also write down what your alternative response would be now that you've realized what the lesson was that you learned. And hear me when I say this, the lesson could be very well be that there's no logical explanation for the event. The explanation could be that the other person has a lot of issues. The explanation could be that this was a freak accident. Now, I tend to take this a little further. When I've made a decision, I tend to write things out, and I have like a ritual or a ceremony for them, and I burn them and release them to the universe. Now, some people do not like fire. I do not understand this people, but in some cases, that might just not work for you for your living situation. Some people can do this with rice paper. They write it out, they use water, it dissolves. Now, me personally, I then take a bath or shower to and imagine any residual anything just washing off of me and going down the drain. And I always finish it with, I call my power back through space and time. 
because that's what this is about. This is about calling your power back. This is about getting your agency back. This is about getting your energy back where it belongs with you. Now, interestingly, when I was making notes for this podcast, uh, and it was actually supposed to drop last week, and I just felt I, like I was missing some piece of the puzzle, like something something else was coming through, but I just couldn't grab a hold of it when I was prepping. And it's like there was a little disturbance in the force, if you will. And I pay attention to those nudges now, where is in the past I was like, ah, oh, just, just power through. I, I rarely ignore them at this point. And over the weekend... I figured out what that was because I had an opportunity to practice what I teach. I had an opportunity to highlight a nuance in this process that I don't I don't think gets highlighted enough. I received a text that a person that molested me as a young child had died. And this was a bit jarring. This 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 was not like a one and done. This was a, over a multi-year span that also significantly impacted the trajectory of my life. And it was, a, it was a bit jarring. And let me be clear here. I've done extensive therapy around this. I've processed out active trauma as well as worked with my mentor about releasing residual effects. And I've done a lot of a great deal of energy work around this, too. In general, when this subject comes up, I don't really have a lot of great overwhelming emotional response any longer and because I've healed. And I happen to be alone because my partner and all the things, he was away at a convention. And I said, I'm pretty quick now about addressing things. So when I started feeling a complex emotional response, I was like, okay. I, this I need to address something here. I need to look at it, and I need to do it quickly before I go down some damn rabbit hole. And what I came kept coming back to over and over again was that like feeling of being alone, alone and invisible. And that was part of that programming from that experience was like the whole invisibility thing. Like, I really wanted to be invisible when I was a kid. And it's carried through and affected my adult life. And it's something I still work on today. And I, I just had these feelings. So I reached out to a couple of trusted people um, who re- responded. But quite frankly, it just wasn't helping. And then I was like, all right, I got to break out the toolkit. Um... And I figured out what it was. And it was the, I needed to be, I needed to feel seen and acknowledged and understood at some deep level, like what I was going through, what I went through, like at a soul level. And I think this is why we have, and I really hate this term, victim statements in courtrooms, because the court is there to bear witness. I think that's part of the process. I think that's why we, we as humans do this. And I am super mindful of what I attach to the words of, and to the words I am, like I am X. I'm not a victim. 
I was victimized. That's how I look at it. I because it's a short road to victim mentality and I I don't live there. But what I realized during this process is you don't need a courtroom. You don't need people. When you release things to the universe and as you're processing them out, that universe is walking there right with you. And you can use the word God, spirit, whatever works for you. I use the universe. The universe is bearing witness for you. And I think on some level, I, like I know that because I, I teach this, but at I think that I felt it at a much more depth level this weekend because I could put more words into it because that's what it was happening. It was there, there, there was a, an energy that was bearing witness and I didn't require anyone else around me because it, it, it was just me and, and the process, right? And I want you to keep that in mind because it is absolutely fantastic and great to have beautiful humans support you. However, that's not always an option at all times for everyone. And at the at the in the midst of the experience, you are alone at some level. And at that soul level release, it really just is you and the universe. So in the span of a few hours, a very cathartic release was to be had by me. Gifts were realized because there's always a gift in every experience. I really believe that. It might take you a while to figure it out. It really didn't, it didn't take me very long to figure out what my gift and the experience was this past weekend. And this energetic density that I didn't even realize was there lifted. It was gone. And it was, it was quite lovely. Now, it's important to realize that this is not a linear process. It may take several ways out of the toolkit to develop closure. Yeah, I mean, you just heard, like, I've done all the things, all the things. And it may take several rounds of burning things after you already went to therapy and worked with a coach and went to your minister, etc., you got to find what works for you. That's that's the message here. It's possible to get if you get the right toolkit with the right combination and the right guidance. Just learn these different ways. And something to note, and this has been my personal experience, and also a lot of my clients' experience, probably all of my clients' experience, to be honest. If you have been to therapy and you have worked through closure and you still seem stuck and you still can't let it go, there's a metaphysical energetic component to what you're going through and it's still hanging out there. And as I've talked before, I'm an energy practitioner, so I build energy work into my release process. I build energy work into the retreats that I do. I build energy work into most, if not all, my, probably most of my clients' work one-on-ones that I do. So that's something to consider as well. We are complex, energetic beings after all. I hope you found this interesting and helpful And I would love to connect with you on social media and hear your thoughts. So you know where to find me. It's usually in 
it is in the show notes. And I look forward to connecting next week. So remember, fine beauty every Thanks for day. listening to the Mindset Strategist Podcast. If you'd like more information, check out my website at www.adriamcdonald.com. 